episode two of the King Bentley podcast. You can go on darnellbent.com. That's D-A-R-N-E-L-L-B-E-N-T.com. And choose where you want to stream the King Bentley podcast, either on Google Play, SoundCloud, or Apple Music. A lot, not Apple Music, Apple Podcast app. You'll see the link when you go on there, though. But yeah, episode two of the King Bentley podcast. Um, I'm joined by a good friend of mine from, um, we worked together back at the NBA, Wilson Sa, basketball connoisseur, basketball historian. This this episode is for my basketball nerds, so to speak. If you really enjoy the game, if you really follow all of the storylines in the NBA, yeah, this one's for you. I really wanted to get a football guy on the show. I ain't going to front. I really did, but the scheduling was a little off, and the game ended a little bit too late, and everybody couldn't stay up. So next week, I promise all my football fans out there, I'm probably, I'm going to have two football guys on for y'all. Two guys that really know football. We'll, we'll discuss some football for y'all. But in this, in this episode, we discuss... All of the relevant storylines going into the NBA season, being that it's starting in 24 hours now. I'm very excited for that. It's been a long summer, a whole summer of just watching baseball and a whole bunch of other fuck sports. It's finally over. So I hope you guys enjoy. Like, share, subscribe, comment, spread the word. King Bentley Podcast. H-Rod on the third ball. I be clean as whistle. Team is official. Black and white diamonds, all I need is whistle. My weed is the issue. Now may I proceed to kiss you. They put you with a bunkie or single man. Homemade speaker out of the Pringle can. Can't wait to do your thing again. When they mention your name, the bells ring again. Getting that cake, it cause friction. All right, I'm joined with basketball connoisseur, basketball historian, Wilson Saab. What's up, Wilson? What's up, Darnell? Thank you for having me here. No doubt, man. You, I got, you know I had to have you on, man. Just working with you last year, realizing how much you know about, knew and understand about the game of basketball. I knew I had to have you on the show, so it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. Pleasure always. Excited to talk some hoops. The season's almost <laughs> underway. Less than 48 hours away or so. Man, it's going to be exciting. It's gonna be very exciting. So, so look, we can start. We can just get it out the way from now. I know you're a big Lakers guy, right? So, so how do you feel about LeBron actually being a Lakers this year? Do you think he's gonna bring you guys to the playoffs? You guys, you think he's gonna bring you to the second round at least, or even the conference finals, or maybe even the finals? Definitely not the finals. Not with Golden State around, but I think the Lakers will make the playoffs with LeBron. LeBron but he won't have home court advantage. The team's gonna lose a couple games during the start of the season to find their chemistry, but. I think mm-hmm. they're gonna pick it up, but I it's agree not. With that. It's not like the East where LeBron can relax and play against joke teams. He's got to play very hard on both ends of the floor. Like he can't every relax. single night too. Absolutely, he can't relax on defense like he used to. Like he only won fifty-one games, or was it last year? And in, in the yeah. West, that's gonna probably only still get might get you to a fifth seed. So he's got to do better than that. And the Lakers, all those guys have no ex- playoff experience. I don't see them being better than Utah, OKC, or Denver. I'll say they'll be the sixth even, seed. Even, wait, even Denver? Even Denver? You don't think Lakers will be better than Denver this year? Denver has a really good team. I mean, last year they, they have, do, but better. They have, but you got to think about it, though. Any team of LeBron James is guaranteed to win at least 50 games. Not I'm guaranteed. not quite sure I'm ready. You, you don't think so? The Lakers can't win 50 games this year with LeBron? Not in the Western Conference. He can barely won 50 games last year with the East with Cleveland, and the West is a way better conference. So... 50, I say 48, the Lakers are going to win with LeBron. He's going to put up great numbers, but it's mm-hmm. the Western Conference, especially you playing Golden State four times, playing Houston four times. 
those are gonna be trouble matchups. Nah, those those are gonna be trouble matchups. My only question is this though. 48 games, right? So you think that the Lakers could could possibly be a what? A seventh or sixth, seventh or eighth seed in the West? I think they're gonna be the sixth seed. The sixth seed at with 41, 40, or 48 games. Well, I mean, that's the Western Conference, so it's a, it's a lot tighter. It's a, it's a much tighter race than there's in the Eastern Conference. 48 wins can get you at the bottom of the of the pack. But, I mean, it's only year one. At the end of the day, it's only year one. That's part of the reason why I feel like LeBron didn't go to Los Angeles for basketball-related reasons because, like you said, coming from the Eastern Conference where he could relax and do whatever he wanted, now going into a tougher conference, I, I, don't, I don't know how that's going to pan out. But year one, LeBron James is going to be 34-year-old next season. In his 17th season, he's still the best player. But time is eventually going to slow down for him. It he is, has so many mileage on his legs. And competing in the Western Conference is tougher basketball just playing against those great teams. So he and, has and to play 100%. And he, the Lakers, I, I see the Lakers making a midseason trade trying to get a solid center. Oh, okay. Who do, who do you think they'll do you think they'll go after, Anthony Davis? I don't think Anthony Davis is going anywhere during the middle of the season because the Pelicans, I think they're in position to make the playoffs too and let it ride out. But I, the Lakers, it's tough. But they definitely need a big man because they have no center right now. They have now. no big man at all. So let me ask you a question. If, if not Anthony Davis, who's worthy of them trading for? That's that's also a tough question. I mean, their first round picks, obviously, the Lakers want to win now. I think they're going to trade their picks so LeBron can contend and try to surround the best team with him so far. All right, so how about this? Instead of them trading for a top five center or a top or a center period, instead of them trading for a center at all this season, right? How about they just rock out the entire season, go to the playoffs, get knocked out in the first round, and then next season in free agency try to get another superstar or try to lure a player like an Anthony Davis alongside LeBron? Because like you said, they need a center, but I'm also of the belief that the next player that they acquire needs to be a superstar-level pl- player in order for them to um, compete in the Western Conference. Well, they definitely need a superstar. Well, this 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 season, Golden State is set to win it all. Like, there's there's no denying uh, yeah, that. Yeah, 100%. No doubt. Chance. Golden State more than likely will win again. I, I have them predicted to be playing um, the, the Celtics in the finals, but we will discuss that later. It depends what the... It depends the Lakers... Like what Golden State does, where Kevin Durant or Klay Thompson goes. If they stay, the Lakers, they have to try to pursue Anthony Davis by all means. I agree. I, I think Boston has better better trade values for AD, and I think AD probably would. Also correct. AD would just fit better with like the with the Celtics, in my opinion. But the Lakers, they got to figure out and try to get somebody. Maybe Kawhi Leonard's interesting, but a lot of all those superstars, too, like, they don't want to be under LeBron James' shadow, which has yeah, been talked about. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Not everybody's built to play under LeBron James' shadow. And it's interesting enough, you brought Kawhi Leonard up. We could, let's discuss him in Toronto. How do you think Kawhi's going to plan out, um, plan out in Toronto this season? I think Toronto is the second-best team in the East. Them and Boston will have a dog fight. Boston is just a deeper team. But Toronto, they won 59 games last year with DeMar DeRozan. They did. And now they upgraded. They upgraded and they got Kawhi now. And I think Toronto is also... a capable to be a top three defensive team you have Kawhi Leonard who's an excellent lockdown defender mm-hmm. I mean Serge Ibaka he's still solid on defense the bench on defense like you really said tough. offensively he's a little suspect but he's still solid on defense he's still one of the best um, defensive big men in the game and that team just scraps a lot with their energy off off the bench they have those guys like CJ Miles Norman Powell Fred Ramby mm-hmm. they all play hard and Kawhi Leonard he lets his game do the talking he's not going to do a lot of talking I see Kawhi Leonard 
not only do I see Kawhi Leonard excelling with Toronto, I think he will also be the MVP this year because I think, you think win, so. they win close to sixty games and he's gonna put okay, up. That's numbers. a bold prediction. MVP for Kawhi Leonard. I mean, I'm not. I won't. I won't say I disagree with that, but that's a very pretty bold prediction. How do you feel about uh, du- uh, Dwayne Casey being in Detroit and not in Toronto? I feel like they. I per- me personally, I feel like they should have never fired Dwayne Casey. They should have just traded to on the trade or traded Kyle Lowry, but. They got rid of Dwayne Casey. Now they have Nick Nurse. How do you think he'll be able to fit? Um, or how do you think he'll play alongside? He was under a coach like that. He was under KC system, so I don't think the coaching situation will change at all for Toronto. They got a better piece in Kawhi, and I just think they're a better team because of it. And they don't gotta worry about LeBron James anymore. But De- Demar played terrible That's against very LeBron. True. That's very true. I, 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 for one, always said that it's not so much that Toronto wasn't a good team, but they were just afraid of LeBron every time they ran into him in the postseason. Yeah, and Kawhi Leonard, he's arguably, if he gets back fully healthy like he was two seasons ago, he's arguably the best player in the East. So Toronto has another beauty in that, and I feel that Toronto can excel. I don't think they're better than Boston, but they have the best chance than they ever did to making the finals. This is true. So let me ask you a question. You said arguably if if Kawhi plays at the level that he played at what the season prior, not this past season, but oh. in the twenty sixteen season, he's arguably the best player in the East. Is that correct? Yes, the twenty seventeen season when he led San Antonio to sixty one wins, twenty five mm-hmm. and a half points, very efficient from the field. And the East, he just plays weaker teams like that, like the Knicks and Nets. He will just toy with them. Yeah, he's gonna toy with them. And and they they're gonna Toronto, Boston, and Philly are gonna have a fun time in the Atlanta division going up against uh Brooklyn and New York four times a season. But my 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 question is, you said he's gonna be one arguably one of the best players in the East. What about Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's now being coached on under he's now finally getting coached by a legitimate head coach this season in uh Mike Budenholzer. So you think he'll be even better than than Giannis this year as well too? I think Giannis is the most talented player, but Giannis is still young. Kawhi Leonard is also entering the prime of his career, so he could even be better after being rested from that injury. Giannis is still 23, 24 years old, and, mm-hmm. but I don't see Milwaukee having good chemistry. I didn't like Giannis playing with Eric Bledsoe last season. It was kind I don't of like, like playing. I don't like him playing with Eric Bledsoe, period. I feel like they should get rid of Eric Bledsoe, me personally. It reminded me of Westbrook Durant, your turn, my turn. And it just Yeah, exactly. Well. Exactly. How about how about the idea of um, how about the idea of uh, um Eric Bledsoe being a part of or being signed to Clutch Sports, which is the same industry not the same industry, but the same management group as LeBron James. Do you think that there's any influence there why as to why Eric Bledsoe could possibly be messing with the way or the amount of touches that Giannis gets? Do you think there could be any type of, you know, co- coercion there? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think, <laughs> I think Blessel's just a point guard that belongs on a mediocre team. He just puts up buckets. He mm-hmm. he tr- he traded his way out of Phoenix, but Milwaukee still lost in the first round, even with Blessel. So even with Blessel, he did. I don't. I don't think their problem was never not. Well, it was their problem was at the point guard position. The whole was at the point guard position, but more importantly than point guard, they just never had. Giannis has never been coached by a valid coach. Jason Kidd just wasn't it, unfortunately, although he loved him a lot. But Giannis just never got coached by a good coach. And I personally feel like even like if, if they'll be much better playing with he'll be much better playing along a point a point guard who's a pass first point guard, not a point guard who's a score first point guard, like Eric Bledsoe is. I absolutely agree with that. But Milwaukee, they haven't really made any significant moves this season. They got Brooke Lopez, who's a great offensive player. Busenholzer is gonna allow. Not sure why the Lakers didn't retain him, but that's that's another question. That's another story. Busenholzer's system loves to run, and Giannis excels at running. So I see Giannis possibly putting up even thirty points, eleven boards, six assists a game. He's gonna 
be a monster stuffing the statue. Not only do they run a lot on, on the Buddha holy systems, but they um they pass the ball a lot as well too. But I'm very suspicious about their their bench guys like Malcolm Brondon and John Henson. They might have already reached their prime. They showed no improvement last season. <laughs> and Don Maker, I'm very suspicious of him because he was awful last season. Like nah, he was, but he's, he's, he's still very be, young though. He still he still has a lot of time ahead of him though. He's supposed to be listed as 21 years old, but last season he only averaged 4.8 points. So I do believe he's older <laughs> than that. I mean, yeah, he didn't that's, that's the rumor that everybody's been saying a lot that Don Maker is more than likely older than 21 years old. But I try not to conspire on, on such on things of that nature. I don't, I don't really know for a fact. But if you're 21, you should have a big improvement from your rookie year to your second season. But he that's has, true. But a lot of players tend to hit that sophomore wall. But he averaged. He barely played. Average four point. Eight points. That's not good enough, especially as a lottery pick guy. True. This is true. He could, or he could just be a classic bust. Yeah, that too. But I do think he's older. That's all. That's also why he hasn't really improved. Going, to, we're talking about, and on the same note of going into players going into their uh, their second year, Markel Fultz, number one pick from last year's draft, right? He's finally at full health, or at least he's appeared to be at full health. That's what they're telling us. We're not. We don't know for sure. Do you think he'll actually find a jump shot this season? Well, he, he's been working out with Drew Hanlon, who's also worked out with Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, and, and he's one of the best trainers the NBA and has NBA to has offer. Ever seen this past this, in the past couple of years. And I tr- I trust I trust trainer Hanlon developing all those guys. I think Markel mm-hmm. Fultz will have a bounce back season. He might not be like a star caliber number one pick like everyone thinks, but. He just needs to be a third or fourth option that averages between 14 to 18 points. Run run the offense with the second unit because he's also a guy that can get rebounds and assists. He's a good overall player, too, that no one talks about. He's not yeah, just I don't, a I don't think he should. I don't think he should start this season. I hope Philly brings him off the bench similar to what Oklahoma City did when James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant played together. But I, I'm, I'm fearful that Brent, Brent Brown and, and the rest of his coaching staff will throw him into the fire a little bit too early, having him start and that also hindering his progress going into this season. What do you think about that? I think he, I do agree he needs to come off the bench. J.J. Redick deserves to start at the shooting guard position. Markel's a guy like a James Harden when he was younger that mm-hmm. can get buckets, that can get his assists, can get his rebounds. He has a lot of potential, and he's still, I believe, 20 years old, so he has plenty of time. Uh, on, on the same list, sticking with Philly, right? Sticking with Philly, do you think Philly improved any any any? From last season, in not opinion, in t- would you say that they improved? Not in t- um, they did have Wilson Chandler, who's gonna be a critical piece coming off the bench, and a very, a very important, exactly, a very important veteran voice in the locker room, a very important uh, two way player. That two way players are a high commodity in today's NBA. So I'm glad that they finally went out and and got a two way player. I was hoping they could have landed Kawhi, but I guess hey, Wilson Chandler will just have, will have to do alongside uh, Markel Fultz coming back as well. And. The improvement of Ben Simmons can be scary because he's projected to be the next generational superstar player. So if he improves and actually hits a jump shot here and there, he's going to be very dangerous. And also, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. I'm not going to lie. Everybody's been telling me, everybody's been saying that Ben Simmons should get a jump shot. But I personally feel like what Ben Simmons should develop before he even develops a jump shot is a jump hook. And you got to remember, he's a 6'10 point guard. He's a mismatch every single night to your team's starting point guard, to your team's backup point guard as well, too. 
you know how much an advantage he'll be if he can develop a jump hook on the base on the um about five feet from the basket and being that Joel Embiid I don't understand why Joel shoots so many three pointers I, I personally want him to play with his back to the basket but that would also help Joel a lot because you know like I said he loves to shoot three pointers now so I, I personally feel like he should develop a jump hook and develop a post game before he goes out seeking a jump shot. That's true, but in the playoff time, when he's going to be open, is he going to just mm-hmm. pass it up, or does he have the guts and courage to knock down shots? Because if he can do that, he's virtually unstoppable. So I'm excited to see what Simmons can do there. And as for Joel Embiid, this could be the first time that he can play 34, 35 minutes a game without Not having restrictions. He, this, this could be the first time he can play over 60 games in the season. That's important. A lot of people are overlooking that. He has to play more than 60 games this year if Philadelphia wants to win at least, what, 50, at least 50 games. Oh, they'll he needs win to play 50. 60 or more. They'll, they'll, okay, they'll win 50, but I'm saying if they want to win more than 50, if they want to be one of the top three teams in the East, Joel Embiid has to play more than 60 games alongside at least 30 minutes a game, like you said. And every time he does that, he produces. He's also one of the up-and-coming players in the East. Very scary. He averaged 24 and 11 last year, playing less than 30 minutes a game. Like, a game. That's, yeah, that's scary. His that's per scary. 30, with, with, with two blocks or one and a half blocks a game or something like that? Yeah, almost two. His per 36 a game his first year was almost 29 points, and last year was 27. So he has scary potential. That's true. Can you can you just briefly explain what per thirty six is for some of the listeners? You know, I'm, not everybody is hip to that advanced analytics. Me personally, I try not to confuse everybody with it. So, so do you mind explaining that for 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 um some clarification? So those stats are estimated like if you play thirty six minutes a game, what your stats are projected to be. Like all those mm-hmm. superstars, like LeBron plays more than thirty six a game, but you yeah. have those guys in Golden State who plays like thirty two, thirty three. So thirty six, their stats would even be better, but because they have such a good team, they don't have to play that many minutes. So. Her 36 minutes is where like a superstar would normally play back in the day, and that's how they project those stats. But those are prime, those are prime center stats, like kind of almost similar to Shaq, like. Yeah, yeah. That's my 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 thing with Joel and B. He just needs to stay healthy. If he right. can, if he can prove to us that he can stay healthy, as well as playing a good, like I said, over 60 games this year. Then going forward, yeah, he's gonna be scary to watch. Let's sticking in that Atlantic, that Atlantic division. Let's talk about Boston for a second. This is the first time we'll see Boston at full strength. What do you what do you have anticipating going in the season to see from Boston? I mean, if they can cheer the ball, they're as deep as anybody. I think they they're the most stacked team in the NBA. Not the most talented, but like one through nine, everybody could play. And if they could Wait. just move the ball well, they're just deadly. Like Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward. I don't see them being. Any worse than last year? I mean, they're so talented and and scary. And Brad Stevens, such a great coach. I see Boston winning like sixty one ish. Let me ask you a question. When you say they're not the most talented, the only team ahead of them is Golden State, correct? Oh, definitely, of course. Okay, so so that would put Boston the second most talented team in the league. Yeah. I All do right, we're on the same page with that. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to clarify that. But yeah, Boston's going to be very scary this year. It's the first time they're going to be all that full strength and just having a lineup. The potential of having a lineup of Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Haywood, and Al Horford with Brad Stevens orchestrating and everything is scary. It's scary. And those two Marcus is coming off the bench. Mercy, watch out for them boys. It's that's the grit. That's all the grit that you need. That's all the grit and passion that you need in the NBA franchise to get far. Oh, it's... those two players alone. And Jason Tatum, he was great in the playoffs last year. He's still 20-ish. So yeah, he she so how do you think for example, perfect example. I'm glad you brought up Jason Tatum and, and the fact a lot of people well, then again, not everybody realizes what they watched last year at least. That's that was a rookie. That was a rookie in the playoffs. 
dominating as if he's been there before. So now, going forward, do you think that Boston will keep all three of their forwards, all three of the forwards being Haywood, Brown, and Tatum? Do you think one of them will will be shipped away within the next two, three seasons, even if they win a championship? I mean, that's going to be up to Danny Ainge's decision to figure that out, but absolutely, they should never give up Jason Tatum. If any of those three are gone, I believe it's going to be Brown because you can trade him with maybe Rozier to pursue possibly another superstar in Anthony Davis. Like, Anthony da- yeah, correct, correct. Do you think, if, right, for example, if they wanted to get a player like Anthony Davis, wouldn't they have to give up Al Horford? Yeah, they could definitely give up Al Horford, even though he's such a big part of the team. Horford, Horford's like, I think he's going to turn 33 years old, so he doesn't have that many great years left. And Boston, yeah, they would need a future big man like that like in the future in two, three years from now if they still want to contend. That's correct. A lot of Boston's success this year also hinges upon whether or not Kyrie Irving will be able to stay healthy. Absolutely. He played 60 games last year in the regular season, and, and even with Kyrie Irving in, he still averaged 24 a game in that Boston system, which he didn't even mm-hmm. have to do that. So It's crazy because it's crazy you bring up numbers with Kyrie Irving because he's, he's an interesting guy. A lot of people, they tend to forget how, 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 how good of a player Kyrie Irving is. Because they also they like people always refer to numbers, and I feel like Kyrie Irving is one of the very few superstars in the league where he may not give you, like the the reason why he put the numbers of twenty four night is because there was a lot of there was a lot of nights where he just put up you know thirty plus, and there's a majority of nights where he'll give you like sixteen, and it's not not to say that he had a bad night, but he's the type of player where he has no issue deferring to his teammates. No, no. Kyrie Irving will come out in the first quarter, give you like eight points, and then not score again for the for the fourth quarter. He has no issue deferring to his teammates. And that's the unselfishness of Kyrie Irving that excels with this Boston team that will enable them to go far and also like open up his teammates and let them shine as well. So that's a very unselfish attitude that Irving has that other superstars doesn't. So that's, that's why I see Boston being really scary. And yeah, people for- were crazy to even think that Boston, that, that Kyrie would want to leave that situation to come to New York. Don't believe those fake news. <laughs> no, I can't believe people actually thought that. Uh, people think everything now. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are not even NBA fans. They just like to talk about the drama. Like, oh, can he play with him? <laughs> Everyone's like a fantasy expert nowadays. But they gotta just watch the games, man. Like, eighty-two game season still needs to be played. Just enjoy it. Stop yeah. going ahead. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, like you said, you you hit the nail right in the head. A lot of you guys are fantasy experts. A lot of people, and we know a lot of people who just never watch basketball games or. Even when they were, even when they, even when they were required to watch basketball games, all they would do is just check the stats and then come back the next day and try to create an argument based off stats. Yeah, they don't know much anyway. Those guys. That's hundred percent. I feel you. How do you feel about going for? How do you feel about the Dallas Mavericks this year? Granted, granted, they're not. They're not. They're not gonna make the playoffs this year. But they, they definitely have turned their franchise around this offseason, acquiring. DeAndre Jordan and drafting Luka Doncic, which I feel like they stole. That was a steal this year because they traded Trey Young for Don- for Doncic, and I feel like Atlanta's really gonna regret that one. Atlanta's absolutely gonna regret that one. They're gonna regret like not like drafting Pau Gasol and uh, other and other things in the draft that the franchise messed up on. I think right. Dallas is gonna go all in. They're not talented enough compared to the other West teams to make the playoffs, but they're gonna win about 37, 38 games. I believe they won to send out their Nowitzki on a high note, and they're just going to compete and win. They're willing to come off the bench. They have, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, adding DeAndre Jordan there. You know Dallas is not tanking. I mean, DeAndre's yeah. going to do as much as he can, and it's just going to 
depend on the development on Luka Doncic, and he seems like a really great overall player. I mean, that's going to be him, his team, him and Dennis Smith. I mean, and those Dennis are the Smith. future guys. And having having around Dirk as a mentor for his last season is going to be huge for those young it's gonna guys. Be great. That's going to help his transition coming from Europe to uh, to America. Yeah. So do I don't. You, how, how do you feel about um um? Was I going to say how? Have you watched any preseason Dallas games? I have watched a little bit of Doncic's highlights. He seems really legit, very mature yeah, for watched, his age. I watched the game on. Uh, I watched the game on last last weekend or this past weekend. Yeah, and that boy, he's it. Trust me, he's it. Him being next to Don, uh, uh, it, it works perfectly because Dennis Smith Jr. is a, is a score first prone guard, and Luka Doncic he could facilitate the offense, put the ball on the floor, and create his own offense as well. So that that backcourt is gonna be interesting to see because a lot of people don't realize Luka Doncic is six seven. Yeah. Not many guards in the NBA are going to be able to stop a 6'7 ball handler who could score and create for his teammates. And he's a very underrated passer, too. He gives laughs very to underrated. DeAndre Jordan. I mean, Dallas has, a, Dallas has a pretty bright future, and Rick Carlisle is also a very good coach, so there's no, it, there shouldn't be any issues with the coaching staff player-wise. So very excited to see how Dallas grows after the Dernovitsky era, assuming he retires next season. Same as well, same as well. They'll, they'll be fine, though, despite you know all of the allegations that's been going on with their front office and things of that nature and the culture changes, things of that nature. On the basketball side of things, I'm, I'm jealous of the fact and envious of the fact that Dallas was able to turn their franchise around yep. in only, what, two seasons? Yeah. Through the draft? Yeah. One of the guys being, of course, a player that us, the Knicks, could have drafted and we didn't. So, I mean, yeah, that, Dallas is going to be fun to watch this year. I, I will be watching a lot of league pass games with Dallas. I ain't going front. Yeah, Dallas seems very exciting, but they still got a long way to go and still need other pieces as well and get other first future first round picks for them to develop. That's true. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not 100 sure. I'm not 100 sold on a uh, Harrison Barnes. I, like I said, Luca will be able to create for his, create for his teammates and make the game much easier for shooters like guys like um shooters like uh Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes. They do that nature, but I'm not 100 sold on Harrison Barnes yet. I, I feel like. He got very happy after he won that championship at Golden State. It felt like he was worth more than he actually was. But hey. no, no, I'm 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 curious to see what Harrison Barnes will do this season alongside him. He's just one of those average starting small forward type players that averages fourteen to nineteen points like an auto porter type, not an all star yeah. player, but they'll just put up numbers and produce. But consistent, yeah, not an all star, but very like you say, solid, consistent players. You know, every night you can guarantee at least, you know, fourteen to, to um to eighteen a game. Yeah, you need the every team needs those types of guys in the league. So I don't expect many high expectations from him because he's already pretty much in his prime. But Dallas is in a good spot. Yeah, Dallas, Dallas is a good spot for him, and and not much is expected from him because they're they're partially still in a rebuilding phase. Although they'll win, and Dallas will win a good thirty five to forty games this year, but not much is expected from expected from him. Nope. Moving on, let's, let's, let's talk about uh, New Orleans for a little bit. You know, we briefly spoke about Anthony Davis this year. And do you think that Anthony Davis will actually make it through the entire season with New Orleans? you think he'll take them to the playoffs again like he did last year? Or or is there a possibility that Boston, Boston could call them up? Danny Ainge could call them boys up and ask for a trade. I think Boston's going to try to play it out this year and wait until after this season because they're, they're still the favorites to get to the finals. They're talented enough. But Anthony Davis... He seems like he wants to play in New Orleans and compete. I mean, he's done an excellent job, like, ignoring all the outside noise and rumors. So This is true. Davis plays very hard. He doesn't really say much. He just plays his game, dominates as a two-way player. Last season without DeMarcus Cousins, the Pelicans actually had a better record without 
Cousins with Davis. And even though they lost Rondo, they have Alfred Payton as their point guard. I mean, he's not really going to be a big impact, but Anthony Davis can single-candidly carry that team to 45-plus wins. And they have a solid squad. Julius Randle's going to be the four. Miritich was an excellent fit. Albert Gentry doesn't get enough credit for what he deserves. I think the Pelicans will be like a 7-8 seed. They'll still make the playoffs, and I think Davis will play it out one whole one season. We haven't heard anything publicly from Davis that we he haven't. Wants but to you know, but Anthony Davis, like you said, he's a guy you never really hear much publicly from Anthony Davis. He just focuses more so on the game at hand and and coming out every night and dominating his defended. I mean, his he, opponent. And he's not like any other superstar or all star player that complains or that ever like wants to leave like the, their team and like pushes his way out. He's not that type of guy either. So he, I think he just loves to play basketball and compete. Not a guy that looks for the spotlight. Just a great ball player. And that's what you want from a franchise guy. So I think he'll stick it out this season and continue to put up monster numbers. 28 points, probably 12 rebounds, 3 blocks, possibly win Defensive Player of the Year. I, 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 can't, I can't dispute that. It's hard for me to dispute that. I, Anthony Davis was my pick to uh, win. He's one of my picks to win MVP this year alongside uh, Giannis Tentacumbo. My only thing with Anthony Davis is how much longer can he ignore the outside noise and 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 stick to a one franchise in a generation in an era where people or where player mobility is um is is applauded. The only reason why we're talking about every all star and superstar caliber player wanting to get traded or going to Boston, going to LA, because Golden State is just too stacked. And if Golden State wasn't that stacked or Golden State didn't exist, everyone would be pretty fine with what their position they're in right now. But you just can't this, this beat that true. team. To a certain extent, I could, I, I could see why you say that. I mean, like, in the 90s, like, mo- there was more competitive balance. No one's going to talk about, like, oh, this guy's Reggie Miller always loses in the playoffs. Is he going to join, like, Utah or Seattle? No one ever talks about that. So how do you how do you feel about these these type of rumors? Are you Do you like super teams, or are you more so on the end of things of, you know, I think everybody should stay to the team they're drafted on and try their hardest to win with that particular team? I think you should try to – it's much weirder to – win a championship for the team that drafted you instead of joining him, especially in your prime of your career. Like what Kevin Durant did was obviously soft. It would have been so much better if he won a title with OKC. It would have, but realistically, he wasn't winning a championship alongside Russell Westbrook. They were talented enough to, I mean, I think if him and Russ would have figured it out, they they had Ennis Kanter on that team, Steven Adams, very big guys, Robertson, great defensive team, and they just grinded and pounded Golden State. So, but they choked in that series. I think if, but I think if KD and Russ would have figured it out, I think they would have won the championship the last two a, years. A lot of that is to fall. A lot of a lot of people. A lot of a lot of the blame should go to Billy Donovan, though, don't you think? I mean, who was their head coach at the time? I mean, and, and, and Durant. It was it was no secret that Durant didn't enjoy playing for him, and it was no secret that Billy Donovan never really seemed to know what he was doing while he was coaching them. It was just the same thing as Scott Brooks. It's hard for any coach to control a. A guy with two superstar players that kind of needs the ball in their hands. Like, Russell Westbrook's more of the problem than Kevin Durant because he needs the ball in his hands. And you see how Paul George wasn't as effective playing mm-hmm. alongside Russ and how, like, Kevin Durant, like, he, he, he still gets his numbers with Russ. But a lot of times I thought Durant could have played better with OKC if he had the ball more, would have scored more. He should by far be the first option. Because Russell Westbrook, he, he makes some questionable calls that kind of hurts his team in a way. And Listen, now, I agree with see, that. 
I agree with that. And in hindsight, I feel like two two problems that Oklahoma City made, well, two mistakes that they really made was one, trading James Harden instead of trading Russell Westbrook. And two, while James Harden was there, he probably should have been the running the point guard while and, and, and having Russell Westbrook play off the ball. What do you think about that? I mean, James Harden, when he came off the bench his third season, this year before he was traded, he was getting buckets nonstop. He was dropping, he was dropping buckets. He was balling that year. I remember that. Like he was literally the instant contributor off the bench. And sometimes I feel, why isn't this guy an all-star? Like, why isn't this guy starting? Because I think at times he was already as good as Russ, even with yeah, OKC. That was the year they went to the finals and James Harden balled out. Yes. and I'm lying. Oh. I'm lying. No, he, he went MIA in that finals, actually. Russell Russell was the one who balled out, especially towards the end of the series. Yeah, but James Harden destroyed San Antonio to get to the finals. True. This is true. This is true. And he his his style of play he fits perfectly with Chris Paul or in in Moulton, a lot of people don't like to give Harden credit from fitting well with other other like good players as well. I mean, definitely a better fit than Russ on most teams, and he's excelling with Mike D'Antoni. If you put yes. Russell Westbrook on Houston, would Houston be as dominant? I don't think they would be. Even though they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have. You're right, but my thing is, we're looking at it from Oklahoma City's perspective. Doing what's in the best interest of that team, I would have definitely traded Russell Westbrook instead of James Harden. But at the time, nobody knew that. Nobody oh. realized the ceiling that J- James Harden had. I mean, Russell Westbrook was already like an up and coming superstar at that time, and Harden still wasn't an all star yet. So, I mean, that's one thing they definitely had regret for the rest of their, for probably the rest of their life. I don't know if OKC's ever going to win a title, honestly. Yeah, they may not win the title. I mean, uh, Oklahoma, not Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook and Paul George have proven, you know, to, to develop some type of chemistry off the court. Now we have to just see the season if they'll be able to train, if they'll be able to translate on court as well. Do you, do you think it would translate? I mean, Paul George is good, but he disappears a lot of times in crunch time. I don't really trust him too much. Like <laughs> he's he's kind of passive too. Like sometimes now, he, doesn't he is very passive, but a lot of but you one can argue you can argue that the reason why he. He was very passive last season because he had to share a lot of those wing opportunities with Carmelo. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, they don't have to worry about that anymore. I, I do think Dennis Schroeder is a great addition for OKC's team. Scott, I mean, the, the G. Yeah, I agree with that. I can't wait to see Dennis. That's what, that's what I'm saying. I want to see Dennis Schroeder running the point while Russell Westbrook is playing off the ball. I don't like Russell Westbrook having the ball in his hands, making decisions for everybody the majority of the time. I mean, he gets his triple-double numbers, but that doesn't translate to wins at all. It, it doesn't, just, and a lot of the triple-doubles are forced. Oh, they are. They are. It's it's pretty, it's pretty. It's obviously stat-chasing. It's almost kind of he's doing a disservice to his teammates for doing that because <laughs> he doesn't really close out on guys, so he gives up a lot of open opportunities for three-point shots because he stands in the lanes to get rebounds. Like, to he should never do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stay, sticking on Oklahoma City a little bit, Melo's gone this year, right? Do you think uh, do you think that Melo will be able to produce now that he's in Houston, or do you think it's over him? His clip is done for him. His career, he's washed. I think he. I think playing alongside CP3 is definitely a bright spot. I mean, Melo has no pressure now. If Melo doesn't mm-hmm. like, if Melo scores like let's say seven points, no one's gonna be talking about Carmelo. Oh, but Houston won. They killed this team by <laughs> twenty points. Carmelo five points. Oh, no big deal. He's winning. He's winning. So there's definitely less pressure with Melo. But if he doesn't produce in the playoffs, and let's say Houston loses in the second round to maybe like a Utah, and Melo disappears, then then the blame will then the blame will finally happen, and it'll be worse. Nah, I I I definitely see why you what you which is why you could say that. But my main thing with Houston is they lost two of their best wing defenders in Trevor Ariza and uh, Luka Mamute, and they also lost the defensive coordinator in um John Belzik, there, the assistant coach. 
Nobody plays defense in the regular season. Houston's so good offensively, <laughs> they can just score 120 points and just beat teams. Well, well that's, a, that's a Mike D'Antoni system view, too. Even when he was coaching the Knicks, he was out there scoring 100-plus points a game. But Houston is talented enough with superstars in Harden and CP3. They'll, they'll still continue to win. They're not going to win 65, I don't think, but I think they'll win probably 57, 58, possibly 60 games again. Yeah, but a lot of that rest, a lot of that depends on whether or not Chris Paul will be healthy the entire season. I don't, I still don't think they should have signed him to a four-year extension worth that much money. It was what, four years, 20, 200 million or something like that? One of the sleepers for Houston, they do have Brendan Knight, who's coming off a, a year and a half with serious knee injury, but he was a solid up. player. He averaged 15 points for his career, so he can bring something to that spot, and I'm, I'm, for one thing about Houston, I'm very curious to see how Michael Carter-Williams produced under the Antoni system because he makes every point guard looks good. Carter-Williams trying to save his career, so that's going to be another yeah, yeah. thing. This, this, this is a guy who opened up his career with a triple-double or a damn near quadruple-double against the Miami Heat and LeBron James, and ever since that, it's just been downhill for him. Right. So hopefully, like you said, Mike D'Antoni being the point guard creator and savior that he is, he may be able to resurrect his career, but... I don't know. Going into the going into the postseason now, because teams like Houston, Golden State, those top boys, those big boys at the top of the conference, it's not so much about the regular season. Like you said, nobody plays defense in the regular season. Granted, they'll be able to score, they'll be able to score one hundred twenty five points a night. We know right. that. But going into the postseason, defense is going to be very important. I'm telling you. I mean, but Trevor Ariza, Bob Mote, they couldn't stop Kevin Durant anyway. But in in Game 7, I feel like if Carmelo was there for Houston, Houston might have won because he would have knocked down some open threes that Ariza and, and Bahamute all missed. Houston was terrible. They needed offense for Game 7, especially They did, they did but even, even Melo last year, his, his he didn't have the best three-point shooting career uh, season last season. I mean, he wouldn't go like 0 of 10 from 3, I wouldn't think. <laughs> That's correct. Yo, that was crazy last year when they, when they what, they, they, they missed 27 straight three-pointers or something like that. Yeah, it was really At bad. At some point, you got to step inside the arc and drive to the rack. But Mike D'Antoni lives and dies by his system, and I don't think he will ever change that. This is That's true. That's true. Things, on, on the same note of living and dying by your system and staying within the same state of Texas, Greg Pop, uh, he's coming. He's going into another season as the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. You know, me personally, I feel like he's on his way out within the next five seasons or so. And he just lost his wife. Rest in peace to her. How do you think he'll be able to uh, change or impact DeMar DeRozan's growth as a player? I think DeRozan's going to fit well with the system. He's going to get his points. Greg Popovich, he makes, he makes like least talented players. He gets the most out of everybody. Out of, this is true. This is true. But they have no point guard this year. Let's keep that in mind. They have no point guard at all. The John T. Murray just blew his knee out and he tore his ACL. He's more likely going to be gone for the entire season. That team shares the ball excellently, though. They could play down low with Aldridge. They could run it through DeRozan. I mean, they're a great passing team, very unselfish. They're going to still get a lot of open shots and knock down threes. San Antonio's a team, they're not going to beat Golden State or or Houston, teams that are obviously more talented. But against mm-hmm. the teams in the East and the weaker West teams, Pop and Dispers always takes care of business against those weak teams. So San Antonio, I still think they'll win in the mid-40s and make the playoffs as an eight seed. I never count out Pop, especially when he's coaching. This is true. It's very hard to count out Pop. And I partially, part of me feels like DeMar DeRozan, he, he took that trade from Toronto very, very hard this season. And I feel like he's playing with a very big chip on his shoulder. So hopefully that'll have some positive impact for, for San Antonio. 
And Pop's also heading towards the latter part of his coaching career before he Correct. retires. He's almost 70 years old. I expect mm-hmm. San Antonio to still compete and ride it out. And, and I don't think they'll be too bad as long as Pop's there. But when Pop's gone, that's a different story. They still have two all-star caliber players. And people are already seeing how they're so bad. But they have two all-stars on their team. That's not bad at all. This, no, nah, this is true. This is true. I can't, I can't really debate that one. I'm not even going to lie to you. Let's move on to Utah, Utah real quick. Utah. Now, this is one of my dog horses in the in the in the, in the Western Conference. You know how I feel about Utah. What do you think Utah will do this season? Top three team in the playoffs? I think you you're the expertise on Utah. You predicted they were gonna be OKC. I told you. Listen, I told series. you. I called it. I told you. I called it. And and I feel like my thing with Utah is Donovan Mitchell is in a perfect perfect system in Utah. He has a coach in Quinn Snyder who's a great defensive mind. Not only is he a great defensive mind, he's a great offensive coach as well too. Quinn Snyder just does not get his credit amongst one of the top five coaches in the league. I personally feel like he's a top five coach. What do you think? Well, he will prove it as long as Utah continues winning. I see the Jazz being the third seed. Remember, Gobert missed twenty six games last season. They still and they won. still were able to get to the second round last year. Yeah, and Donovan Mitchell, he's just gonna get better. That guy's an athletic freak of nature. As a rookie, he carried that team on his shoulder, and he he's did. the number and, one and, and option. Like I said, he's in a perfect situation because Ricky Rubio orchestrates the offense for him, while Donovan, not Donovan, while Rudy Gobert is their defensive anchor. So all he has to do is focus on scoring the ball. That's all he has to do is focus on scoring the ball, and that's second nature for him. I mean, Gobert, very underrated, great defensive player. That that Utah team plays tough. They're physical. They kind of remind me of that 04 and 05, the Pistons team in the mid-2000s. The way they, their style will play a little bit, how they're not super talented, but they have one through five who can, who are all valuable. Who all they, fit together, exactly. They all yeah. fit together and they all play under the same system. They all they all have bought in, essentially, to Quinn Snyder's system. And that works perfect for them. And and they just signed Dante Exum to a three-year cut, 33 bills. So he hasn't really been able to show his talents with injury. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not. The verdict is the, the verdict's still out on Dante Exum. I'm not really big on Dante Exum. Yeah, but he could be a surprise. He if he if he doesn't turn out well, it doesn't hurt Utah though. He could, but I, I even not even Dante. I have my eye on Grayson Allen, the, the the rookie they just drafted this year, and I feel like that that Utah fan base is really gonna embrace Grayson Allen, and Grayson Allen's gonna have a fun time playing for Utah. Oh, he they're really, gonna love. He matches him. that grit and intensity that Utah is looking for in a French and in a player. Oh, they're gonna love him. Utah has a really bright future. Gobert's only. 25 or 26 years old. Mitchell, I think, just recently turned 22. They're going to... Yeah, 22, yep. So he's a young boy. He's a young boy. They're going to be really, really good. That's going to be scary for them. Do you think that they need an, another, a second um complimentary or superstar for Donovan, or do you think he'll be able to make it without? Going forward, at least. like We're talking like four or five years down the line now. I think they do need a, a, another star like Stretch 4 who can knock down threes and shoot Derek Favors. I mean, he's he's not going to get any better, so... If they have another guy like that. <laughs> Derek Favors is not going to. He's not, man. You're right. I mean, I like Derek. He's a good player, but he's just a good role player. And he's like in his prime. I don't think he's going to improve. I do think Utah should get like a maybe stretch four power forward who can really shoot it. Like an all-star or a guy that averages 18 points a game alongside Donovan. They're going to be very good. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I definitely. And I also, not even, even until they find that player. All of the stretch four, all of the fours that they have are all long and athletic enough to be able to play defense and mm. score on the other end of the floor. So Utah's gonna be a very interesting team to watch this year. And they and they were a bit of a surprise, I'm not gonna lie. Come balling the way they have been balling in the Western Conference, they've been really a surprise. My only issue with Utah is 
one, this is going to be the first season or the first time where Donovan Mitchell is going out on a night-to-night -night basis and he has defenses geared towards stopping him. And with this new small ball revolution in the NBA, centers like Rudy Gobert who just block shots and run the, and run the floor, they're kind of obsolete. And I don't. And Rudy Gobert doesn't have that agility and that quickness to be able to, to keep up with smaller guys. For example, let's say they're playing the Lakers on a given night and, right. and LeBron's at the five or they're playing the Warriors and Draymond's at the five or, or they're even playing the Pelicans and he's playing up against a guy like Anthony Davis or even Julius Randle being at the five. That's going to be tough for Rudy Gobert to figure out. Right, but he's an elite rebounder and a good rim protector, and he deflects shots even when he's not blocking them. So that's always going to be a critical spot in the NBA. And as long as you still have big men who can rebound, like get over 10 a game, you're always going to find ways to play minutes. That's, I, I, you're right. I can agree with that. I can agree with that, but I don't know. Last Watching him last season, he, he just didn't do well against small ball teams. So we'll just have to see how he pans out and how Chris Lanning can hide him in that. I do have a I do have a question though about Minnesota going forward. Uh, you think the Timberwolves will implode this season, or you think Jimmy Butler's will be able just Jimmy Butler will be able to light a fire under guys like Andrew Wiggins and and Carthy Towns, who are talented, but apparently don't work hard enough for the All Star. I do think Jimmy Butler will eventually get traded because I I don't see toughness in Andrew Wiggins at all. He plays very <laughs> passively. He, he'll never be a superstar player. Wiggins. He has so much. He has so much talent, but he doesn't work hard at all. His defense is still terrible when he's one of the most athletic guys in the league. And Andrew Wiggins, he's, he's done nothing in the NBA so far. But Carl Towns, on the other hand, uh, it's just Tom Thibodeau's system who who's just terrible for Towns. Yo, I, I agree. I don't think Jimmy Butler's the issue as much as Tom Thibodeau is. He he has a style of running his, his superstar plays into the ground. It's just like... The game is not surrounded, or I mean, the NBA is a superstar driven league, but it's like you have a, an entire roster. You don't have to play your best players forty plus minutes every single night at the beginning of the season. That's what I just, he just constantly runs his plays into the ground. He's not just playing his best players every night. He's playing Dodge Gibson thirty five minutes a game. Dodge Gibson. <laughs> I just drafted that boy on my fantasy team, man. Listen, he gonna give you seven to ten bounds, ten, ten rebounds a night. Because of Thibodeau, you should thank him for that. <laughs> nah, that's a fact what do you think Jimmy Butler will get traded to it's so tough I think somehow maybe he'll find a way to go to the Clippers I mean they have some intriguing players like a Tobias Harris type that Minnesota could be interested in but mm -hmm. Minnesota they're they're not looking good at all especially after having Andrew Wiggins that mass contract no one's gonna want that guy I yeah, think they're not Andrew. they're stuck with Andrew it's, it's over for that they're stuck with Andrew and Carl Towns just signed with them I think Townsend I think after this Butler drama, when Jimmy Butler's gone, I think Townsend Wiggins will have a lot of drama too between them because obviously Cap puts in the work. He's improved and he's a really, he's a more talented player than Wiggins. Wiggins hasn't done anything to show that he can be an all-star player. He's all-star caliber talent, but he's like from his rookie season, there's no improvement at all. His jump yeah, shot's still player, mediocre. That's, that's, that just goes to how talented of a player he is. He's been the same player his entire career, but he's still... An effect. Oh, he's still one of what? Would you call him top fifteen small forwards in the league? Yeah, but that's not doing much. Not I mean, he's right. He's like a top. He's a top five, like talent wise, in terms of small forward with his athleticism. But he's not even a top sixty player, in my opinion. That's that's <laughs> because of his laziness. He's so lazy, <laughs> and he's entering his fifth season now. And from his rookie year to now, he hasn't even really hit the gym. And you see guys that transform like crazy. <laughs> his shoulders got bigger. His shoulders definitely did get bigger, though. Yeah, but he didn't really pick up that many weight, and he's still really, like, frail to me. 
but he does it shows that he doesn't work hard that much and he did cash on his contract good for him for doing that but he's not a winning type player like I do see guys like uh, Jason Tatum or Kyle Kuzma all those guys working out with Kobe this summer where mm-hmm. was Andrew, what did Andrew Wiggins? Wiggins do what, what was he doing yeah, yeah. I told you that 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 goes to my theory that a lot of I told you I mean a lot of guys that are in the NBA don't really want to win. They're just happy to be playing basketball and getting paid millions to do it. Not if you're the number one pick and you're projected to be one of the best players coming out since LeBron. Remember yeah, but that, those times? that's that's just the that's only listen. It just so happens that he happens. It just so happens that he's that talented. He's probably the most talented player we know to be able to to you know to not want to win and not want to play hard and not want to practice and not want to work on his game. But listen, that happens a lot more than you think. It's just that a lot of the guys I'm referring to end up being mediocre. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Jimmy Butler doesn't like it. I think a lot of his issues is more with Wiggins than Towns. Because I agree Carl- with that. I- Call Anthony Towns, he's the most untradeable up-and-coming superstar. Like, if Minnesota wanted to trade Towns instead of Butler, everyone would be begging on their knees to, like, to, like, to get, get him. And they would give up all their draft pick, give up their all-star players. But for Jimmy Butler, I mean, they, it's kind of a bad look on Jimmy Butler, too, because he does have an it, – it does seem like he has an attitude problem. He wanted his way out of Chicago. Now, after one year in Minnesota, he hates it already. Exactly. Only, only, it's only, it's only been one year, and he's he's already wanting his way out. I personally feel like if Minnesota was smart, they would keep Jimmy Butler, try to figure out how to keep him happy, and most importantly, replace Tom Thibodeau. I think if Jimmy Butler stays and Wiggins continues to be like his days ago, I think a lot of serious stuff might be going on in practice and even in the locker room. So I really don't see that too much. The owner might have to step into the locker room and. Have to fire Thibodeau. Listen, if you, if your owner had to step into your locker room, that's ridiculous. And and also that story a couple of weeks ago or, or last week when they said uh, Jimmy Butler pulled up to the practice and beat the starters with the third string players. It just shows how how badly he wants to compete, and those guys are still not showing promise. Like you're not gonna change Andrew Wiggins and force him to work hard. It's either that you're gonna work hard or you're not. You 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 don't beg a player to work. They're supposed yeah. to work, and Wiggins is just not like that. That's and we've seen job. it. Yeah. That's a part of the job. I couldn't so, agree more. That's a part of the job. But that's too bad for Minnesota that they're stuck with Wiggins. I feel sorry that they signed that big contract. It's a big disappointment. Yeah, it is what it is, though. Let's, let's talk about... Let's talk about... Let's talk, you have anything more to say about Minnesota? Is there something more you one, want to say? One last thing about Wiggins that I was wrong. I thought Cleveland made a mistake getting Kevin Love for him because <laughs> I thought... I thought Wiggins, Kyrie, and LeBron... I Andrew Wiggins... <laughs> I thought Kyrie, LeBron, and Wiggins would be so deadly on the fast break together. And because Wiggins was young, I thought he was going to be a superstar that's going to be able to like, have LeBron play in Cleveland, even when he's older. But Kevin Love's obviously a way better player. End of story there. Yeah, and I actually feel like Kevin Love is going to boil out this year in Cleveland. Because oh, he will. Cleveland, granted, yeah, Cleveland's not as good as, they, with, as, as LeBron being there, but Cleveland has a team full of proven NBA veterans. Guys right. who've been journeymen who've been around the league, they play played this game for um they play multiple parts of the season. They've been up and down in different climates and different areas. I think Cleveland's gonna be good. I think they'll be able to they'll be good enough to still make it to the playoffs. And I think Kevin Love is still a good enough player to give you a good twenty three and nine a game. It's just that he is not good enough to be a second option behind LeBron. How do you feel about Cleveland this year? Post LeBron. They're not going to make the playoffs because they still have the... Nah, I disagree with that. I think it's in the East. You don't think they can make the playoffs in the East? I don't think they're better than Miami and the bottom teams there. They still have the same players that play terrible defense. J.R. Smith was awful last year. How bad do you think he'll be this year? 
I mean, <laughs> sometimes he scores zero points, and now without LeBron to give him the ball, what's mm-hmm. he gonna do some nights? Yeah, but that, have... that 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 young man out of out of Alabama, Colin Sexton, is a year away, two year two year or two away. He has some talent, but you obviously need more than that. I mean, True. Cleveland. I mean, Tristan Thompson, I think might bounce back and focus on basketball for once. But I think the Cavs, their defense is still so bad. They still have those players like George Hill, who's way out of his prime. They still have those same guys, which is they're not that great on defense. And I think Teron Lue might be on the hot seat because we're going to see a lot of maybe his coaching flaws now without LeBron. Without LeBron, the Mastos. You're right. But my thing is, is the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference is wide open. They could be AC in the Eastern Conference. They can be, yeah. I can I can I can very well see Cleveland at the end of the year making a push, coming up from nine or ten and becoming the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference and getting knocked out in a sweep in the first round. I, I can definitely see that happening for them. It's definitely possible, but Kevin Love also has a lot of injuries in the past, and we gotta see like if he's able to play seventy five games ish. Yeah, this 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 is true. This is true, and they and they will be demanding a lot more of Kevin Love, but a good sixty five games, sixty five games to do it. Yeah, sure. Sixty-five games to do it. I don't want to. I don't want to go on any further without discussing Portland for a little bit. Yeah, Portland was Portland. a team they they bowled out last regular season and they got to the playoffs and they got swept. How do you think they're gonna bounce back this year after being swept in the playoffs by Anthony Davis and the Pelicans? I don't think they're gonna bounce back. I think the decision mm. of signing Evan Turner and giving all those guys like money like that, they're gonna regret it. They don't have a third option. Yusuf Nurkic, very disappointing last season. I thought he was gonna be good, but. He kind of gotten lazy and slacked off a little bit. Portland, I mean, Zach Collins would need to really step up if Portland wants to compete and contend. But they're a mm-hmm. team that's just not that deep without Damon CJ. They have no reliable third option. I mean, if Damon CJ's off, they're gonna lose those games. And I think a lot of teams will that's a fact. know a lot of teams dis- will discover Portland's weakness just like New Orleans did. And mm-hmm. I don't think Portland I, I honestly think they'll miss the playoffs and be a ninth seed this year because they haven't really gotten better. No free agents wants to go there. And I, <laughs> I won't be surprised if either one of those guys, Dame or CJ, demands a trade midseason. So nah, watch you out for the, that. You, you said it. I was, I was hoping you to say it. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this question. Now you pose it to you. You're the GM of Portland, Portland, right? And they missed the playoffs and they're the ninth seed. Are you, trading away, are you trading away Dame or are you trading away CJ? And if you are, and once you name whoever you're going to trade away, what do you now want in return for those players? Portland's in a tough position. I think they just... They might have to rebuild, honestly, because with Damon CJ. So rebuild meaning trade both of them, trading both of them away, or yeah, yeah. Oh, um, um. and then start from scratch. They're start obviously... from scratch, and this year's. I mean, I guess if I'm pulling, the only way I'm trading away both Damon and CJ is if a team is offering me a top three pick this year. Right, and they would have to do that because they can't compete, contend with Golden State. They're, they they're not even as good as like the Pelicans would still beat them now, and they swept them badly. They swept, they swept the, the hell out of They swept the shit out of them boys. I ain't going front. Yeah. And the Pelicans are like the six or seven best team in the, in the West. And they swept Portland. And they Golden, swept Portland. Golden State would, would beat them in their sleep without like one of their two superstars will still sweep them. I mean, Portland, they're going downhill. They lost 10 straight playoff games, not to mention that. So they have a lot of issues in the future. They don't have a good third option. And... It's just, they're just not that good constructed, so it's too bad. Yeah, but it's going to be a very interesting year, to tell, um, to say the least, about Portland. Like you said, this year depend, This year will, t- will tell their, their front office which direction they should go as a franchise. And um, if they can't, man, if they miss the playoffs this year, 
I don't, I'm trading. I'm. Uh, it's tough, but I might trade away Dame. Right. I'm them. I'll, I'll keep the. I'll keep CJ, and and trade away Dame only because Dame is a little bit older, and you can get a lot more for, for Dame than you could at CJ. And especially if you trade Dame away to an Eastern Conference team, mm. you can get a lot for him because the Eastern Conference is much weaker, and Dame will be able to dominate in the Eastern Conference opposed to him constantly being overlooked in the Western Conference. So so unlike unlike a guy like Yusuf Nurkic, unlike a guy like uh, Andrew Wiggins. Contrary to those guys and the way that they, you know, they've gotten lazy over the past couple of seasons, Indiana has an as a young but an upcoming superstar, or not even superstar, a young and upcoming all star in Victor Oladipo, who's constantly improved and worked on his game each season. How do you think Victor Oladipo's development will impact Indiana going into this current season? Indiana's still going to be one of the best teams in the East, but they're just not that talented overall. They just play really hard. They got a lot of good young pieces. Miles Turner has got to really improve. He hasn't shown that last season. Oladipo single candidly carried that team. Yeah, Miles Turner disappointed me. He disappointed me last season. I'm not gonna lie. He was yeah. averaging about 16 and 16 and what seven a game the season before that. And last season he came out only gave us 14 and six. I don't like that regression so early in his career, but he's been working out all all summer. Apparently he lost a good amount of weight, but he's in much better shape. So hopefully that'll be able to translate going into the season. I mean, it will depend on him, but Indiana, they just don't have another secondary all-star to compete with the Boston's or the Toronto's. So is, is, I, they're gonna need they're gonna need Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis to step up this season, but that's oh, that's a lot to ask for. I'm not gonna lie, it's a lot to ask for. Yeah, I do see that. I see Indiana being the fifth seed. They'll play Milwaukee in the first round, and I see that going in the seven-game series, and I see the best player winning. Between Milwaukee and Indiana, I'm going with Milwaukee in six. I think Milwaukee would be the could be them in six. And, you, and you also have to remember this is gonna be the first season Victor Oladipo is playing similar to Donovan Mitchell and similar to guys like Devin Booker as well too. It's gonna be the first season where they're playing in situations where the entire defense is geared towards stopping them. Well, not so much Devin Booker because he's done that before, but this is the first time Devin Booker is playing meaningful basketball, which is a little bit different. But Victor Oladipo is gonna be the first time he's playing, and every single night the defense is, has found a way to stop him. And every single night, the defense is forcing guys like Demona Sabonis and um and Miles Turner to beat them instead of Victor Oladipo himself. That's a lot to adjust to. And those guys got to really improve and be key. But they play very hard defensively. They have a lot of good energy. I like how they play. And they're fearless, too. So that's going to win them a lot of games. They're going to beat some good teams because of their effort. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And, and last, well... <laughs> Before, before, even before I get to the last topic, even before I get to the rookies, your favorite player—he's out in Washington now. That boy Dwight. <laughs> How you uh, feel about him going into this season? I mean, his his—he's complaining about those lower back issues. That yeah, he had another. He had more procedures done this summer. He didn't even play a pre-team suit for preseason. And they say that he wants to shoot more three pointers. I mean, come on, he's not that type <laughs> of player. I mean, he puts up empty stats. He's been bounced and bounced and bounced. Like he, Dwight Howard's been a hot potato for NBA franchises over the last <laughs> five years. You know what he really messed up when, when, in, instead of him sticking to being, you know, a defensive rebounding, a run the floor, pick and roll type of player, he decided that he wanted to score the basketball more. I think what happened was that listening to guys like Charles Barkley and, and Shaquille O'Neal every Thursday night got to his head, and he started to he started to feel like he had to prove to everybody that he can be an offensive threat, and that 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 worked. Against him, it was it, it was counterintuitive to what he needed to become as a player, and ultimately it hurt him in the long run. Like you said, he's been bouncing around every single franchise, and I uh, I don't know. I think this might this might be it for Dwight. What does he bring to the table besides he can still get you rebound <laughs> and play defense, but 
I mean, he's been a disaster for those teams, and he hasn't really helped any of those teams improve over the last couple seasons. When was the last time Dwight Howard had a meaningful impact? Was it back when Orlando? I think it was. I mean, he didn't well, do well, much. I mean, with probably, <laughs> probably was Orlando. That's a long time ago. He didn't do much with seven, eight years ago. Right. And I mean, what? you can make the one can make the case though that if all we need him to do in Washington is defending crash boys, that's enough to get them to the playoffs. Yeah, in the but conference. They could be a sleeper this year, but this John Wall and Bradley Beal, I think one of them will get traded too. Possibly if they have another disappointing season. I mean, that team hasn't really brought in another like all-star caliber player. They signed Otto Porter, who's just going to be a decent player, but not mm-hmm. good enough to elevate them. Over the last yeah, five I'm, I'm not sold on the Wizards yet either. The Wizards are constantly, every year they come in, they're, they're constantly suffering injuries and they're constantly always overconfident and they never back it up in the playoffs. So, like you said, if they don't pan out this year, look look forward to them blowing it up in the offseason. Over the last five seasons, they also won between 41 and 49 games each of those five years. And I think, not even 50. No, no. Between 41 and 49. So I guarantee you it's going to be the same exact thing this coming season. Anywhere between those numbers. Bet me on that. <laughs> the thing about betting, you know, sports betting is not legal. Are you, are you into betting? Or do you plan on betting on any teams or any games this year going forward? Either NFL or NBA? I mean, I'll think about it since I have some, like, time to, like, really watch as a fan from for the NBA. So I'll definitely think about it, um, possibly, but I'm not 100% sure yet. Oh, yeah, this, this is the first time in, what, two years that you'll actually be trying to be able to watch a basketball as a fan? How do you feel about that? I mean, I love basketball. I'll always watch it. I'll always, like, be a fan. So is I never really thought of working, like, with the NBA as work to me because I love basketball so much. It yeah. was just fun. But I, I, but I'm very happy. I don't have to see nonsense games like Memphis versus Orlando's or those brutal matchups. Exactly, you can actually choose the games you want to you want to see now. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of being forced to work them, I, I feel you on that. And yeah. let's, let's end out with um a couple of rookie predictions this year. Tell me, name name a couple of rookies that you're looking forward to seeing this season. Obviously, Luka Doncic that we talked about. Yeah, I'm Luka's looking for baller. We already we already we high on Luka. We, we high on Luka. Who else? The only reason why anyone would want to watch Orlando Magic game is Mo Bamba to see what he can do. So mm-hmm. they're a bit of a disaster, but he makes them more exciting. Shout out to Luke. Shout out to, not Luke. Shout out to Mo Bamba, your New York kid, New York City kid playing in Orlando. I'm a little upset that he got drafted to Orlando because I don't like Orlando as a franchise. And yeah. it's gonna be not hard, but it's gonna be interesting to see how he can um, match up with Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaacs, all all being. Those three players having to figure out who's going to play the three, not the three, but the four and the five amongst them three. It's going to right. be very interesting to see who wins out between him and Jonathan Isaacs as far as the starting five goes. And as far as, and as, far as who plays more minutes at the five. Right. But I, I, I do feel like Mo Bamba is one of the best players in this draft class. Right. Yeah, absolutely. This rookie draft class is very exciting. I mean, you yeah, have the yeah, number. Underrated as well. You, have, you can look forward to DeAndre Ayton, who has all the potential to be a great big man. Just look at mm-hmm. his body at age 19. That's insane. That's that is true, and I, I like I like the fact that uh, he already showing that you know he could be a very good offensive player as well as crash the boards. His only issue is his defense, but Tyson Chandler coming off the bench and being a, a, a presence in the locker room and in practice with him every day, day in day out, is going to help him defensively. So DeAndre Ayton, not only is he a very talented individual as a player, but he's in a very good situation, and I'm big on the situation that you get drafted to because that depends on whether or not type of, that depends. Or the type of player that you'll become. Right, absolutely. 
Do you have any of the rookies going um, in mind going into the season? How do you think Trey Young will do in Atlanta? Uh, they're going to win like 20 games and be terrible. They're just not very good. And He'll I, have the green light, but that, that's going to be a blessing and a curse for them. Yes. I mean, he's just going to put up his numbers, maybe like 15 points a game, but they're going to lose pretty much every game. Same thing with Marvin Backley with the Kings. They're probably the least talented teams, but Bar Backley has the potential to put up like 15, 16 points a game, get buckets, but he'll still lose. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand who Sacramento wants to build their franchise around. Um, if I'm them, I, I damn, you blow it. I don't. I just don't know who they want to build the franchise around. For me personally, I build it around Marvin Bagley, and I'll I'll look to Deion, not DeAndre. I'll look to uh, De'Aaron De'Aaron Fox being that second that second best player on the team, being that second option. But it's like they just don't know which direction they want to go in as a franchise. And I feel like it starts not only with their front office, but that coaching staff. Man, they gotta do something. They gotta do something about um. What's his, what's the, what's the head coach's name? Is is losing me? It loses me right now. But I forgot his name. But he just always looked confused. He always he never seemed to know what was going on during the game. Like he was just never on the right page as far as uh, the Sacramento Kings go. I don't know if you if you recall any watching any Sacramento Kings games last year. Dave Yeager. But yeah, <laughs> yeah Dave, exactly. Dave Yeager. That's his name. I don't know about. I'm not. They didn't. They didn't. They need to look in a, a different direction than Dave Yeager, but. I mean, Marvin Bagley, like I don't know if you watched the Kings in summer and not summer league. I don't know if you watched the Kings, Kings in preseason, but Marvin Bagley looked he looked shakes. I'm not gonna lie to you, he, he looked a little shaky out there. I mean, he's like still 19 years old, very young guy. He sh- this sh- this probably should have been his first year playing college ball if he was not eligible to play college. So people forget about that. He was RJ Barrett's class. No, oh, that is true. He did reclassify, but I mean, you know, it's a microwave generation. Everybody expects players to pan out right away as soon as they get drafted. So. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him being that he was a top three pick this past season. There's no pressure for the Sacramento Kings because they're the they're one of the worst teams and they're going to be losing, losing, losing. <laughs> how do you feel about my son and my, my boy out in New York, Kevin? How do you feel about Kevin Knox? He has the potential to be a great player. 6'9", really great athletic. Those, 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 I don't know. That's a high ceiling. I'm listening, though. He, he has the potential to score and his jump, jump shots very smooth. He has the right attitude to, to it seems. I think he could possibly maybe be a Danny Granger type, like a long 6'9", small forward, just gets you buckets, but a very good player, to say the least. Since we, since we were in New York, no better, no better way than to end the pod, but how do you think, or what do you think about the idea of Golden State winning this year and Kevin Durant saying, you know what, I want to take up another challenge and I want to go to New York and win them a championship? If Kevin Durant wins a championship with the Knicks and he does that too, I mean, he could be in the conversation for a top ten greatest player ever if he does. If he's able to do that, that'd be mm-hmm. a very in, incredible. I mean, it's, to it's not inconceivable to, to for next year us to have a starting lineup of R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish or or Z- uh, Zion Williamson, whichever one we choose. Yeah, uh, Kevin we'll Knox, be- Kevin Durant, Kristaps Porzingis, and I guess you'll just throw for the sake of a center and his canter in there. But that's a that's a pretty scary starting lineup going forward, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It's very See, I mean, I, I try. I try not to subscribe to the to the to the crazy Nick theories, but it is something to think about, definitely. Oh yeah, it's something that we can think about for now, but not until like Kevin Durant makes his decision, because he could go anywhere he wants, and he could, he could, and for some reason, it kind of this kind of reminds me of um, it kind of feels like LeBron when he left Cleveland to go to Miami, learn how to win, win those championships, and then come back to Cleveland and help somebody else win. It kind of like that's what it's feeling like to me. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see to see what Kevin Durant does next year. But 
I don't want to rule it out. The idea of Kevin Durant being in New York is crazy. And the only thing, the only thing that bothers me is the fact that every time we get a, a star player or every time we get a player towards the end of the tail end of their career, they never pan out. Right. So maybe he could change that narrative. Right. He's still 30 years old, so he'll still be good for at least three more years, especially his style of play. Even if you're right, his style of play is crazy and his jump shot is impeccable, but Kevin Durant's a really lean and slender guy. Do you think his body will be able to hold up going into his mid-30s? I mean, that's going to be another issue, but if he loses his athleticism, he's still a 6'11", small forward who has long arms that can shoot over anybody. And he can post up as good as anybody, so I'm not worried about that. He could, even though, exactly, even with with that very slim frame, he's, he's he's a threat with his back towards the basket, you're right. So very exciting stuff. Very exciting for the Knicks. They're going to be bad for this year, but the next season, there's going to be high hopes. But Kristaps Porzingis, once he comes back, he has to show promise that he can be a superstar type player. So that can attract free agents. But we'll yeah, see. I, I, didn't, I didn't want him to come back at all early this year, but now that I think about it, uh, he may have to come back you know, around February just to prove to any potential free agents coming in this upcoming um, offseason that he can still play and that that ACL was only just a bump in the road. Yes. But yeah, man, we, we're going on. We're about to go on an hour and 10 minutes. I don't want to go too long. I don't want to hold you too long. But you will be back throughout the season, correct? Absolutely. Anytime yeah. you want me to talk, I'll be always happy to discuss. That's a fact. Basketball savant, basketball connoisseur, historian, Wilson Sai. Where can they find you? Tell them, tell them about your YouTube channel and stuff like that. YouTube channel is doing great. It has great numbers out there. Tell them where they can listen, listen to more of you. So you could just type in Wilson Sai on YouTube. My last name is S-Y, so... It's on YouTube. I make YouTube channels. I talk a whole bunch of stuff. NBA. I make like three videos a week. I'll probably try to make more as the season's going along. And I'm just happy to share my knowledge out there. Give my predictions, my takes, and just share stories that you guys probably don't know. Because I do have a lot of inside NBA knowledge that I remember from just watching basketball. And I do know a lot about it. So I just want to share my knowledge to the world. And I'm very happy doing it. I love it. As Wilson Sai, guys, expect to hear him on the show. Wilson, thank you very much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Darnell. Thank you.